Action Park Media. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today I'm joined by Ashton Kutcher. Aside from being smart, talented, and an all-around great guy, Ashton is one of those people that seem to not have put any effort into staying fit. We're going to find out today if that is true. You can find him on Instagram and all social media at A plus K. Ashton Kutcher, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. This is exciting. Um, okay, look, here, here is my basic premise and truly my interest in talking to people. You might be the pinnacle of this type of person, but people who I look at and go, that guy never thinks about anything to do with health and physicality and, and fitness. I just, you know, that's my assumption. That has been my assumption. I've known you 20 years. So I look at you and I go, he just exists as like a genetic gift. And I say this because I think it, but I also know it's not true. So I got to know how much you pay attention to this. The older I get, the more I pay attention. So uh, I would say like when I was 19, I mean, I, I played sports in high school. So I was a very active person and I was a, I was a wrestler when I was, when I was in high school early, my like freshman, sophomore, junior year, I think I wrestled. And so as a result of wrestling, I built some serious discipline around diet. Um, when I was cutting weight. And in fact, the reason I stopped wrestling was, uh, so I played my junior year, I played football. I was 185 pounds when I was during football season. And I was supposed to wrestle at 145. Um, so, and, and I was already like a skinny kid. And so a, you know, like a 40 pound and I, and granted I like was like buffing up as much as I could to play football at 185. So I was probably like 170 was probably my norm, but I was, I was trying to go down to 145 to wrestle. Cause that was the slot that I could wrestle in. So, um, I've been cutting weight my entire life um, as a result of that mentality. So all, like the notion that I could get down to 145 from 172, um, I, I didn't make it, which is ultimately why I quit wrestling. And, and I was at a point where I was like pseudo wrestler bulimic. Um, I would just binge and then go throw it up because I wasn't really supposed to be eating. Um, I also started chewing tobacco uh, my junior year um, because I realized that nicotine was an appetite suppressant. It also caused me to spit so I could get myself super dehydrated for weigh-in. Um, and um, 
so I probably built a couple really unhealthy habits as a result of that. Um, but then I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is just not. And so I quit wrestling. Um, cause I just didn't want to cut weight anymore, but my discipline around eating was always really good. Like I would eat, I could not eat for days as a result of it. And I learned to like the feeling of being hungry. So diet to me has always been a thing. And then after high school, I stopped doing athletics. Um, that liking being hungry thing was still a thing, right? Like I left school, I had, didn't have any money. Um, so I was broken. I couldn't afford to buy food, but I just was so used to just feeling hungry all the time that it wasn't a problem. Um, and, and then, uh, I had stopped working out altogether, um, except for running, which when I would get stressed out about something, I would just go for a run. That was like my shut the world off move. And I would just go and run. I don't know how far I was running. I don't know how fast I was running. And so I always kind of kept running a little bit being like maybe once or once a week or something, but I would go for like a three or a five mile run just as like a run. I was a boy scout when I was younger. So I loved hiking and I've always been a hiker. Um, and then as I've gotten older and being an actor and, and, and having, well, when I was 19, I was modeling and I was in Milan and Tom Ford was running Gucci at the time. And I got an exclusive deal to be a model for Gucci, but I got to Milan to do this exclusive runway show thing. And I put on this like pink thong or whatever the hell you made me put on. And and he's like, you're too fat. And he fired me. Um, and so I lost this job. And I was like, I'm too fat. What? Like, I was, a, I was a rail. And he was like, no, nah, it's not. And so th that then got stuck in my head. And I started working out a little bit. Um, but it wasn't until I did, like, The Guardian uh this movie that i actually learned how to do like a consistent fitness regimen um i i i was getting ready to start to do this movie and i hired a physical personal trainer and i couldn't do one pull up and he was shocked that i couldn't do one pull up and i yeah. could not do a i could like one and he was like and he started to he gave me this like ladder workout and I literally couldn't do any of the things. I was like, all right. Uh, and then that started my training focus. And so yeah. now I, I work out consistently three times a week. But do you think, do you think with um, like high school sports that that was the good foundation for like, uh, listen, I don't want to tell people they should be hungry, but the fact of the matter is when you look at, um, the literature, the people who live the longest tend to spend a lot of time with what we as like spoiled Americans would consider hunger. I, well, here's the thing. I love food. Like I absolutely, like I'll sit down at night and eat like a half a carton of ice cream, not like twice a week. 
I like, and if I go out to a restaurant, like for when I was growing up, we never got to go to a restaurant. So now if I get to go to a restaurant, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat the menu. Like I'm going to eat until I'm so full, I can't eat anymore. But on a regular basis, like today, I don't know whether or not I've eaten. Like I'm not, it's nine and I'll probably, and I'll, I'll at about one o'clock, I'll probably get up and get something to eat. And I'll just like have coffee. I'm not, sh I think I, I, no, I did. I finished my kid's oatmeal this morning. Right. So I did eat, but on a regular basis, like I just forget to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I'm comfortable being hungry. I don't, I don't know if it's like, I, I kind of think that there's something valuable about just being comfortable being hungry. And it, like, I kind of read like being hungry as like, a, I, like I want something, but I don't make it about food in my head. I make it about whatever I'm working on. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing perspective to take and have and like conquer. And do you think this is from sports or from wrestling and having to cut where the, there is value in hunger? I think it's a combination of wrestling and being poor. <laughs> I mean, no, like, no, like, I, I remember being a, even younger than even before I started wrestling, like, there were a couple times where the fridge was empty yeah. when I was a kid. And we had like, powdered milk and cereal. And it just didn't taste the same as milk and cereal. And I would just start, I just started skipping breakfast because I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not doing this. Um, I, and so I think I just got used to, I just got you. Uh, by the way, it was, a, there was always something there. It just was probably not what I wanted to eat. Right. And, and so I just wouldn't eat. Yeah. And so I, I think I just got used to that, but, but wrestling definitely, definitely played a role in it because I, I realized as a, 13 12 13 year old kid that i could go three days without eating like and and when once you it's kind of like once you know you can do things you can you just it becomes not not a thing anymore right like it it's like it's like running a mile running a mile seems impossible to somebody who, who doesn't run running two miles or going like, no, you could actually just get up and go run three miles. You're like, that's impossible. But once you do it once, you're like, oh yeah. And now, and then you set that expectation for yourself. Like, of course I can do that. And so like not eating for three days. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. As long as I had a little nicotine. Right. A little nicotine and maybe some caffeine. Caffeine is the nicotine cool. helps, man. Nicotine is super helpful. Yeah. I, I suck on nicotine lozenges still. Caffeine. Caffeine's extraordinary. I, listen, I, I, my, my mid-afternoon boost is like nicotine salts, like these, these like Zen nicotine salt things. I don't know those. It was just like a mid-afternoon. I'm not doing an advertisement. Sure. No, no, no. It's, it's like pouches. It, it, but you got to be very careful because they, you can easily just down a thing of these things like it's very addictive yeah but 
instead of it's non carcinogen and it's just nicotine and nicotine technically isn't it's kind of can be good for you. Yeah. Um, but okay. let's we, jump we don't to, want to tell let's, that to no. people who don't do nicotine. No, do not if do not start. This is not a good idea for for do a, not start. A diet. Um, it, it's, it's certainly an appetite suppressant. Yeah. So ice cream twice a week, going out to eat, which is much harder for us now, which is, this kind of doesn't happen now, but I understand like when restaurants were open and stuff like that, but I, I eat whatever I want. You do. There's no, I just don't, eat, I just don't eat that often. Right. So like, I mean, whatever I want also becomes like, if I, if I was left to my own devices and it was literally whatever I was desiring at the moment, it would mostly be pizza and cheeseburgers. I eat pizza and cheeseburgers. But is that like your regular diet? Uh, like, look, it probably one or the other at least once a week. Right. I mean, I would do that every day. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that one or the other at least once a week to me sounds very rational. Sounds like what I'm hoping to get to one day. What do you eat? I mean what's a day of food you you finish your kids oatmeal what do you think you're going to eat next i don't know <laughs> no idea but it won't be a I, have, I have i have i have zero idea i here's what i won't do i will not i will not have a snack today right that the one thing i just zero tolerance for myself because I could sit down and eat a bag of chips, like no problem. When I go into the kit, I, I always keep like some meat in the fridge, like, like a smoked turkey or like, uh, you know, some like leftover cut up steak or like some chicken bread. Like I would just keep some meat in the fridge. Because if I want a snack, I'll just go like I, when I was the one thing that I let myself have when I was wrestling was like beef jerky as a snack. Like if I got hungry, really hungry, I would get some beef jerky and then throw some protein in. So it would it would be like it's very protein heavy. It like I might go make myself some eggs later at like one, or I might go just take a chunk of meat and just eat that. But then I, but then I'll, I'll have like a, and then like, maybe I'll have an apple and that will, and I'll call that lunch, like a chunk of meat and an apple. And I'll be like, no, oh, yeah, that's lunch. And then at dinner, I'll eat whatever the hell I want. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The trainer that I had when I was, the trainer that I had was like, listen, the only way you're going to get six pack abs, because it was like this impossible world for me for forever. He's like, the only way you're ever going to get six pack abs is diet period. He's like, you can work out as hard as you want as much. You can do a billion sit-ups. You're not going to get six pack abs without diet. Right. He's like, here's how you get it. Cut out the booze. Don't drink. You can't drink. Cause when you drink, you retain water. When you retain water, you can't get six pack abs. So cut out the booze and he's like, you're going to eat chicken, broccoli, and brown rice for lunch and dinner, a fistful portion of each. That's it. Six days a week. And for breakfast, you can have a couple eggs 
no sugar. And he's like, and on the seventh day, eat whatever the hell you want. He's anything you want. Like you can go have burger, you can have pizza, you can have anything you want. And so I always saved it for like the weekend or like Saturday. And he, and I was like, can I drink? And he's like, if it's one day a week, drink away. And so on like from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown, it was my day of rest. It was like the, it was like the Shabbat for food. And I went, I would just everything and drinking and what, and I would be shmammered from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown and eat everything. And then the next day I'd be like, Oh, why'd I do that? And then after like three weeks, I I started to like moderate the whole thing because I always felt so terrible on Sunday that I would miss Sunday morning football because I'd be like hungover and not feel great. And like, but, and so then gradually I started to moderate that, but I still kind of do whatever I want on the weekends and, and I do whatever I want for dinner, but I'm, I, I just don't eat during the day really. Right. Coffee. But it also sounds like when you're, what you've got in your house and in your go-to stuff sounds very healthy to me. It you know, it doesn't sound like you're. you're oh, good. what are you talking? No, no, no. That's not true. I have children. <laughs> I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Man, I could go. I could go throw down a bowl of cereal right now. Right. Like there is there is some beautiful Lucky Charms in there. That we've got Cheetos up in the house right now. We've got caramel corn. There's a pie sitting out there. There's 20 cookies sitting on the counter. Like I could go to town and love it, <laughs> but it's going to, it's going to mess with my productivity, like my work productivity. Like I need to be on sharp nails until at least five o'clock in order to like get things done. And if I'm sugar spiking all day, I'm my, I'm going to have ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. So I don't want any sugar in my system until after five. And then after five, I go to town. I, 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 I'll give myself like a five to eight, three hour feeding window and just. And all bets knock are it off. Out. Yeah. All bets are off, dude. I could eat, I could go eat a, a carton of ice cream. I'll eat some cookies, but then eventually I'll get full in that three hour window. And so I can only do so much damage. Right. But then I started wearing this thing, this aura ring to track my sleep. And I realized like, if I really sugar up at between five and eight, then I don't sleep as well. And then I don't get as much restorative rest. And then I can't be on nails the next day. So, um, you know, but I'll have, I have like a glass of wine or something in the evening and, and like, and I'll eat, but if I'm going to eat sugar, I try to do it like at the front of the window and not the back of the window. So I can process the sugar before I go to sleep so I can get good sleep. Yeah. Because everything's about this like six to six, six AM to 5 PM window. I need to be like raging that entire time. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just protecting that, that 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. 11 hour window so that I can work uh, Okay, a, a 20 hour day. This is amazing. So you're using food as fuel. It sounds like you have it figured out how to fuel yourself. That's it. 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When, other than Tom Ford telling you you were fat, that you were a giant obese person, have you ever had to lose weight, whether it be for your life or for a movie or for any of these things? Not, And I'm not talking about like, I want abs. I'm talking about like, shit, I've, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got, I, yeah, I, I, usually in the winter, like November, December, I start floating. And so I'll like, I'll start floating and I'll get up to like 205, 207. My, 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 like my in shape weight is like 185. That's in shape. If I'm like crazy cut, I'm like 172. Um, but in, the, in November, December, I, I start to float. And usually there's, there's a clear cut culprit and it's alcohol. Um, so the easiest thing for me to do, if I got it, if I need to like make, make that first cut, like get down to like 190 where I could fit in my pants again, it just like, I just, I just had to make the hard decision and be like, okay, I cut. so every year I do sober January where I usually just don't, I mean, usually I don't drink in the month of January ever. And oftentimes that then falls into February and then March and, and then I'll slowly start drinking. But by December, I'm uh, my, my drink at night turns into three and I'm like, I start to build. And then, and, and then the minute I have a drink, I'm going to eat the whole pint of ice cream. And then it gets, and then I'm breaking out. I break outside of that 8 p.m. cutoff. Yeah, it gets there. It so gets the, there almost the every year. Rough. Yeah. But so, but sober January locks it back in. Yeah. Sober January sets you up for the rest of the year walking on nails. That's it. Walking on nails. <laughs> I love it. I think this is great, useful advice, man. I think that, uh, you know, it sounds like you have a an understanding of your body that you can deal with and it doesn't sound like your body's throwing a whole lot of resistance at you which is great no i first of all but i'm 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 genetically lucky in in that like my dad's a pretty thin man my grandfather was a pretty you know one of my grandfathers was a pretty thin man my brother's like kind of the same build like so there's genetic luck in in there as well I allow myself to be a, a glutton, um, but it's, it's, it's a choice, right? It's not like a, it, it is a, it is a, a fundamental choice that I make. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give myself a, you know, a, a free pass. Like last weekend I went on like a boy's trip with my son and I was like, we're going all in we're having pizza and lasagna and root beer floats and ice cream for breakfast and cereal and what we're like, we're burgers. We're going all in. And I like, I was like, we're going. And, and I felt it by like Sunday night. I was like, Oh God, I just feel if you get so used to feeling like clear, you, it, when you when you're not feeling that you notice it as opposed to like people who gradually cheat you gradually 
enter into a state of not feeling well. And then you don't notice that you're not feeling well because there's not a stark contrast. Yeah. So, so I kind of like either go for it or like clean it up. Yeah. I think that's a tough thing for people who are still in it to fully understand without getting out of it, without distance from that. Because I today, when I have a cheat meal, which is super rare, I feel hung over from it. But there was a period in time where I was eating that kind of food constantly. And I felt as though it was having no effect on me. It was just food. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, you build that stark contrast by creating super star discipline. And then when you do, when you, it's, it's, it's changing the mentality from like, Oh, I slipped up to like, no, I made a choice to do that. And today I'm going to choose something different, which puts you, you don't beat yourself up for a slip up. You own the choice. And then you go from owning that choice to owning a new choice, which you have the opportunity to make right now. And so, and, and I think like the whole world gives us language and consciousness that allows us to beat ourselves up. And we're like a victim to like our own thing. And because it's a mistake or a slip up or hmm, it's a choice. And I made that choice. And that was a choice that I made because of what I wanted then. And I wanted that in that moment more than I want this other thing. But now I want this other thing. And so I'm going to make a different choice. And 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 acknowledging that and then and then building the discipline around it that's to me the the that's how i manage it is that like fundamentally making a choice and and it gives you something to look forward to right when you go on friday i'm going boom and you go but it's friday and then you put a stop date on it if you don't put a stop date on it you, you get you they could go to saturday and then it could go to sunday it's like no no it's friday and friday or it's saturday and that's the day that i'm like making a choice and then you start to get feel like you're in control of it and empower you, you self-empower to, to maintain over time yeah um that's because without those cheats that's the, yeah that's the perspective that works for me too Uh, I think it's the best thing to encourage. And I think it is truly an empowering perspective. You take on this role and it's like, nothing can touch me because it's all my decision. They're all my choices. They're all your choices. Yeah. Yeah. Kutcher, thank you so much. This is so fun. I love you. Um, I I feel like we got another half hour in us. I, I, I can easily talk to you about this for the rest of the day, but we have stuff to do. I feel, I feel like we just went diet. Next time we got to go like exercise. Let's do it. Yeah, that's another one. That'll be topic number two. This will be a two-parter. Two-parter. Done. I love you, I'm brother. In. Thank you. All right. Love you, man. I'll Bye. talk to you soon. Bye. And now for the Q&A. Jordan from Leapers Fork, Tennessee has a question for you about maintenance. What a town. Right? Leapers Fork. I want to go there. Me too. I bet they have good food. I would imagine. Ethan, you talk a lot about maintenance throughout your shows. I was wondering. Hold on. Paige, 
Did you just fucking make up Leaper's Fork? I know where Leaper's Fork is. Oh, it's real? It's a real place. Bought a house there. That's okay, why it's good. on my radar. In fact, oh. Justin Timberlake's mom might live there, too. Is that what you <laughs> chose Leaper Fork? <laughs> Stalker. No, I thought about it because bought a house there. The JT thing just came to me now. Are you now realizing that your friend is neighbors with JT's mom? It actually goes deeper than that. Oh, my God. JT's mom is a fan. So he, she and knows. Follows. So you have an in. Possibly, if she goes and spends some time there, and somehow runs into her at like a. Or she Piccadilly. just says, she just says, "Hey, yo." She slides into the DMs. <laughs> she slides into JT's mom's DMs, and then you become best friends with JT's mom. Yeah. And then what happens? And then it's like there's a there's like a Super Bowl party or a thing, and Justin and the kids are in town, and we all become friends. This, I don't. I don't. Your life is really coming together. <laughs> I'm just saying, between that and the connections in your zone, it's going to happen. I'm so glad <laughs> that you didn't just make up this town, Leapers Fork. Oh, it's a real place. Um, good. Because I don't know that this is true, that these people are actually writing in questions. Half the time, I'm like, are you just making shit up? No, And then dude. you show me. I know you. I'm copying I and pasting. See, I don't believe it because I don't think anybody's actually listening. This is great. So Leapers Fork, Tennessee. Yeah. Which I still am not totally buying. Like this is, this could be the most elaborate lie you've <laughs> ever told. Justin Timberlake's mom lives there and my friend. This is like classic lying one-on-one. You just start throwing random facts and data at people. Like, yeah. son, were you sniffing cocaine? Dad, did you know that Elon Musk's super thing came and landed perfectly? And you just start talking about stuff that's true to distract them from the lie. Right. Leaper's fork. It's real. I'm glad. I'm glad. Jordan and Leaper's fork. I'm glad you're not making this up. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Jordan says you talk a lot about maintenance on your show. Could you break that down a little bit more specifically? What is maintenance and for how long should I do maintenance and when? Thanks for the question, Jordan. Um, maintenance. Wow. Let's get into this. I've been thinking about maintenance a lot lately and actually had the idea um, that it might not even be such a bad idea to start the path to your new life on maintenance. I'm just making this part up right now, but it has been a thought I've been having. Um, maintenance is when you take a break from your diet. If, if there are two definitions of the word diet, one is just how you eat. That's diet. The other is, restrictive eating with the intention of losing weight. So if you're on definition two, and by the way, in a dictionary, I don't know which definition comes first. So for the purposes of this, let's call definition one, just how you eat and definition two, restrictive eating with the intention of losing weight. So definition two, you're on this diet, you're losing weight. What happens is no matter what you're doing, veganism, carnivorism, fit for life, uh, the zone, South beach, whatever. 
low fat, high fat, any of these things, if you're losing weight, you are in a caloric deficit. As your body loses weight, you must go into a more and more extreme caloric deficit to maintain weight loss because first, your body is getting smaller and it requires less fuel, number one. And number two, your body is adapting to less food and going like, uh, you know, in order to, your body's thinking like, maybe there's a famine right now. We have to get accustomed to this kind of state of having less food. Let's be more efficient. So all of these things are happening. Stress, the accumulation of stress builds up in your body, your hormones, your, your literally the, the, the hormone that causes stress in your body goes up, causing you to be more hungry. Um, and it becomes literally harder to diet. I said literally, and I kind of despise people who say it like that, literally becomes harder to diet. Uh, so what maintenance is, is you can think about it as the way to maintain weight loss, or you can think about it as a period of time that you're going to break up a, a fat loss phase by allowing the hormones in your body to chill out, allowing your body to uh, defatigue itself from diet stress. And what actually happens is if you give it a nice, a nice amount of time to recuperate, your body is actually um, basically more willing to go back into fat loss and, and, and losing weight more, more efficiently. Um, once you've done that, once you've settled everything down, you've, you've withheld food at some, on some level, your body's freaking out a little bit and going like, if we can't do this forever, we're going to starve to death. And then you give it a pause and you go, hip, we're going to reset everything. And the, the key is don't gain weight in that section of time, Right. So maintenance is really maintaining your body weight. It's still a diet. Um, I guess that's not true. I mean, listen, if you're me, it's still a diet because me left to my own devices, I'm eating enough food to gain weight. So in that sense, it is still restrictive or it was in the beginning. Uh, the other thing that I have taken from maintenance and from doing huge periods of maintenance um, in the middle of a fat loss phase is that I'm learning how to eat without gaining weight. I'm, I'm, I'm actually experiencing this thing where I go like, Oh, this is what I need to eat today to neither gain or lose weight. And after doing that enough, it does become intuitive. It, it's not something I'm sitting and having to calculate anymore. And I wake up one day going, holy fucking shit, I can just exist like a normal person. And I use this word normal. I hate it. It's such a stupid word because what does normal mean? My idea of what a normal person does, my idea of a person who wakes up and isn't utterly concerned with their weight and isn't thinking about these things and can go about their day without having all of these things weighing on them. What am I going to eat? Am I going to gain weight? Am I going to lose weight? All of this shit, all of that nonsense. 
that's what I consider a normal person. There's probably not a lot of those people out there, or there are tons of them and they're either genetically gifted or they're getting fat. So sorry to say that. Uh, So my point is this. I think about the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. You wake up one day and you don't know what the hell is going on. Rule number one, don't panic. Okay. That is it. Just don't panic. I, I know that the urge is let's get it off as fast as possible. You want to give me something that's painful for a short period of time, but it'll do the job. That's what I'm going to choose. That has never worked for me. So my suggestion is almost to do maintenance as soon as possible, because really that's much more important than being able to get through a short period of time where your body loses fat. The the key to everything is what do you do once you've lost the weight? Um, if, if, if you've, if you've never been able to stick to any diet before, I would even suggest at this point, like good. So don't do a diet, just figure out maintenance, just figure out what choices you need to make, get really good at, Um, eating in a fashion that doesn't cause you to lose weight. I mean, it's not super complex. It's not withholding a bunch of stuff. It's not hard. You shouldn't ever be hungry. You should literally never be hungry if you're doing maintenance, right? You're not, you're not, you're not waiting all day to eat and then cramming your calories in to a sort, a certain window, um, you're just you're just able to eat and you're eating throughout the day in in a in a way that you're maintaining your weight. So get really good at that. I, I literally, if I was going to write a diet book, I would just put uh, uh, the the entire book would be about maintenance and it would be about um r- really in the beginning counting calories and and by the way, if you're doing veganism or keto, count calories, figure out what your body needs, the amount of energy it needs, and then figure out how much you're putting into it and don't skimp and don't overdo it and figure out this window. And by the way, it might take a couple of weeks because you look for some, um, uh, BMR calculator, basal metabolic rate calculator online. Those aren't exact, So you get some number, you plug in your weight, your height, your activity, it gives you a number like here's how many calories you're eating. Okay, that's a good estimate, but take a couple of weeks of trial and error, eat those, those, that amount of calories, see what happens. Are you losing weight? Good. It's not enough calories. Are you gaining weight? Good. It's too many calories. Then adjust accordingly and and figure it out through trial and error and then eat that way for a while it really shouldn't be as hard as a diet once you've got that down withholding a little bit of food is not so hard and don't don't withhold a huge amount that's that would be my second thing like maintenance isn't about the whole point of maintenance is Let's extend this thing. Let's not do a 40 day crash thing. And by the way, I'm not talking, this is not for people who want to lose five pounds. I'm not talking, this is like, I wouldn't suggest maintenance to those people because if you've only got five pounds to lose, then like, you know, 
what, what do you, you remove an apple a day from your diet and you're going to lose five pounds eventually. I don't know what to tell you, but if you've got like massive weight loss, if you're looking at a lot of weight to lose, I understand the desire to have it happen fast, but would you trade, um, six months and getting to a certain weight and then being 99% sure it's not going to last or, and then having to do the cyclical thing of dieting and the diet's really, really hard or entering in a few minor adjustments to what you're eating today and taking a lot more time, but knowing that along the way, you're going to figure out how to not get yourself back into the state that you're in. That's really my pitch for maintenance. That's really what I think maintenance is. Um, that's how I've been using maintenance. And, and it, some people, Lane Norton calls it a diet break on uh, Renaissance periodization. It's called maintenance. It's all basically the same thing. You're dieting down, you're stressing out the body, and then you just are not doing that anymore. Um, and my instinct when I hear you're not doing that anymore is, oh my God, now I'm going to gain weight. No, no, no. It's still part of the plan, but now you're just defatiguing the body by adding in some more food. Um, it's, it's really, really pretty simple once you do it for a while. Uh, it was insanely complicated when I started doing it because I didn't really know any better. So I was just writing everything down and doing a lot of math and then redoing my math. And I was super diligent with like, I'm having a half a tablespoon of ketchup on my hamburger. How many calories is that? I'm writing it down. How many grams of carbohydrates is that? And all of this. Um, and <laughs> you know, there are apps now that will do all of that work for you, uh, RP has an app. Uh, My Fitness Pal has an app. Carbon Diet Coach has an app. These are great tools that that it doesn't take the learning away from you because you start to see what you're eating. You start to get accustomed to what a cup of rice looks like, what a cup of pasta looks like, how much if you're measuring your food, how much how many calories are in a tablespoon of olive oil. I used to pour olive oil over salads and vegetables really, really thoughtlessly. Um, and a couple of times my wife would watch me do this and she would go, that's a lot of olive oil. And I'd go, it's a good fat. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Meanwhile, that's like an extra 500 calories because I'm not counting it at all. A, a, a tablespoon of olive oil for me, the first time I, I like measured out my salad dressing, I was like, this is nothing. This isn't touching every piece of lettuce. How does a person live this way? But you get used to it and, and, you know, you start to design meals based around like the amount of fuel you have left to intake. Uh, I like to think about cars too. Like imagine if we were just, um, imagine if our cars stored all the excess gas we put in them, we had to put gas in them every day. And at the end of the night, it just became weight on the car. Like we wouldn't do that. It's not efficient. It, you know, eventually the car would stop running or we would get really good at putting gas in our car and going like, how many miles am I driving today? And that somebody would invent an app that would go like, what are your errands? Oh, 
you got to go to Santa Monica and then to Beverly Hills and then to the Valley. Okay, here's approximately how many miles you got to go. Here's how much gas you got to get. If there was some adverse reaction to your car by overfueling it, we would stop doing that. So it's kind of the same like with our bodies. If you don't like what's occurring because you're overfueling your body, stop overfueling it. Number one, it seems so simple. It takes a little bit of work. And, and in my opinion, the most vital thing for me of the entire deal is maintenance. I completely understand today how to go on a trip and have no worry about food at all. And, and like I have my routine set in stone here in Los Angeles And there used to be periods of time where I would not want to leave because it would disrupt my routine and I would have huge crushing fear that I wouldn't survive something like a weekend away with my wife. What am I going to eat? Are they going to have keto shit at this restaurant that we're staying at in Palm Springs? How is this possible? What am I going to do? Or I'm getting on a plane, you know, uh, they don't have a keto option. They have like kosher and vegetarian. None of this works for me. Um, so I think like taking all of that into account, um, I I don't like to tell anybody to do anything, but I, I can say honestly from my own personal experience that maintenance has been truly the most valuable thing that I've done. It, it has set me up to be successful forever at this. Um, and it requires no long-term sacrifice. It is not disruptive to my life at all. Uh, that is that is my pitch for maintenance. I actually think it would not be bad. It would not be a bad idea. Um, and I even talked to Dr. Mel from RP about this a little bit of like just instead of starting a diet with a diet, start a diet with maintenance. Learn what it is just to eat for your, for your body, like give it the fuel it requires, which I never did before maintenance. I never understood that. I I never tried that. That is my pitch for maintenance. So quick follow-up question. Yeah. When in the process, let's say you're doing a traditional kind of diet cycle for lack of a better word because you just talked about maybe even starting with it but let's just say okay a person wants to lose x amount you've talked about doing maintenance periods and then now I'm going for a loss again so is there a hard and fast rule on that should a person wait until they're you know is it get to your goal then you maintain is it get halfway do maintenance and get your body kind of set in that and then go for the rest like how do you determine that you know, there are uh, Dr. Mike Isertel and um, Lane Norton both have kind of suggestions in their books of like lose. Well, I, I'm, I cannot remember exactly what they are, but like X percentage of body weight lost then or X number of weeks of dieting, then you get a maintenance period, then you should, then they suggest that at that point, taking a maintenance period. I don't know what those exact qualifications are. Um, but I know like today I would never do more than like 10 or 12 weeks of dieting without then adding a maintenance period myself. So like, I know I'm going to take another picture 
with my shirt off um, towards the end of the year. So probably three months before that, I'll start dieting. And when I'm talking about dieting at this point, I'm literally like looking to lose one pound a week, you know, for a total of 12 pounds. So I'm now one of those assholes that I'm talking about who like, well, if you only want to lose 12 pounds, yeah. you know what I mean? Like <laughs> now, now I'm that guy. If you're, if you're thinking about losing a hundred pounds, certainly you can lose more than a pound a week and it's totally fine. Um, and you could probably even go longer than 12 weeks. But again, when we're talking about the stress that is put on a body and the kind of uh, adaptation your body can can develop due to dieting, the diet gets harder and harder. I mean, look, unless you're doing something like where you're going like everybody on this diet does 500 calories a day. The problem with that is you're in such if you if you do that for a long enough period of time, it's miserable. I've done that for the longest I ever did something like that was for 60 days. And it sucks. Like physically sucks. Lightheaded all the time. Every time I'd stand up, my vision would go black. Literally. I never actually collapsed, but vision totally black, no vision. And then it would kind of come back uh, a little bit dizzy, cold. These things were not fun physically. Zero energy, um, zero personality, zero uh, exuberance towards life, like not a happy two months. And then if you were to do a maintenance period at that point, you wouldn't even be able to do like whatever calculation you threw into the standard uh, uh, metabolism calculator, whatever numbers you plugged into there, after doing something so extreme for a long period of time and losing a lot of weight, you're not going to be able to eat um, as many calories as that thing tells you. Typically, like statistically, one wouldn't be able to because your body has now adapted to starving. And so it doesn't even need as many calories to survive anymore because it's like functioning on like it's just become really good. It's gone like, oh, this dude's starving to death. Let's slow that down as much as possible. So it's going to slow your metabolism down. So the thing about breaking it up and taking breaks is it actually gets your metabolism going again at an optimal rate so that then when you start to diet again, it's all happening easier. It's just less stressful on your body. And when I say it's less stressful on your body, it's producing less less of the things that dr tend to drive us off of diets like hunger and exhaustion and these things, you know, yeah, those aren't, uh, those aren't necessarily just mental blocks. There are physiological things that occur in the body when you're dieting in those kind of extreme states, by the way, it's going to happen on any diet, you know, to some degree, but you can lessen those a lot and then you can turn them off by doing a maintenance period or a diet break. So you're saying, yeah. So you're saying that all that kind of 
Which I feel like once you really get rolling on something, you don't necessarily have as much of that, those adverse effects or these things we're not used to of feeling like cranky, exhausted, whatever. Doesn't it get a little better after you've been kind of cooking along on the diet? I mean, listen, I know what you're saying. Like the first week of a diet can really it's suck. Like and yeah. then it and then it kind of and then you get used to it. Right. Yes, for sure. But after a long time, your body is going to get less efficient at using energy because it's trying to combat combat the fact that you're putting less energy into it. And when it's used to more, it's so it it's like working on being more efficient at a fuel burning machine, which is the opposite of what we want on a diet, right? Wait, say that again. It's that when we're on a diet, yeah, the calories we're consuming, we want them all being burned. And then we want fat stores to be burned in addition to the calories. Right. right. Okay. Well, after a lot of dieting, your body is is burning calories at a lower rate. Mm. So it's going through those cal if you're in a severe caloric deficit, it's burning those calories and then it's going shit. Let's get better at burning them so we don't need to use as much of them and we then don't need to use as much of what we have stored either. Yeah. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And so you know, have you ever done a diet and a month in gone off for whatever reason, cravings come up, yep. hunger comes up, you know, where in week two, maybe you wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. These are f also physiological reactions where your body is just going, it's going to talk you into going off and having something else. Mm -hmm. And the point of maintenance is that's le less likely to happen if you break in, break up the restriction. I'm talking about in periods of time with periods of time that you're not restricting food. Okay. And one more time, because you started on this in the beginning, but so you talk about the BMR calculator, or whatever is my goal in maintenance to figure out through some app or, you know, whatever ver method I can, I'm trying to find out how many calories my body needs a day, not less, not more, so that I just stay the way I am. So, like, if I'm losing weight at 1,200 calories a day or 1,400 calories a day, and then I figure out in maintenance, well, actually, if I just ate 2000 a day I'd stay exactly where I am today or whatever day is that what you're trying to do is figure out what to eat how many calories to eat so that you you just you're not losing you're literally staying how you are yeah that's exactly right okay. and you also have to take into consideration a lot of those calculators are going to spit out a number that is basically if you laid in bed all day that's how many calories you require just to exist in bed. Mm -hmm. So it's not factoring in activity. So you really do have to, and you also have to factor in the fact that once you start eating more, this is, there's been wild studies. I forget what it's called. I think the neat, and it's something about the amount that we eat dictates how active we are. So we'll literally start moving around less and less 
the less we eat, the more restrictive of calories we are, the more apt we are to not be moving, right? The less animated, literally I'm talking right now, I'm using my hands a lot because I'm doing maintenance and I'm like, I got all the energy in the world. But they've literally done scientific studies on this. People who are doing diets will stop moving as much in an effort. The body is literally going conserve energy. Mm. Don't burn energy. So what happens when you warm the system back up again by introducing more calories is that that also rises. And so your body is just going like we're living. You know, there's no famine here. We're good. Eventually, mm-hmm. the hormones go back. There's no diet fatigue, all these stressors. There's literally hormones in your body that are going to trigger you more and more to go off your diet. Those are going away. Um, you're moving more subconsciously. You know, all of those things are taken care of from by doing maintenance periods mm-hmm. or eating more. Right. And we should say that. Not every app that we're talking about or you're mentioning costs money. Like a person can figure this out. There's free versions of these kinds of apps and you could actually just go online and figure it out without, right? I don't know which apps cost money and which ones don't. Look, even, uh, you know, produce, I guess, doesn't have it written on it. But even if you buy like a package of meat, I think in America's got the calorie information there. Mm -hmm. That's not going to change when you cook it. That's what it is, except it might render some of the fat. So maybe if you leave the pat, if you grill it, the fat's falling on the fire. So maybe you can count that it's less fat, but like the protein content of a breast of chicken, if you look on the package, you know it, everything else in the store other than produce has it written down. Google will provide you all the information you need for free. The uh, BMR calculators are free. You can get all this for free, and then you just have to spend a little time doing math. I believe there are apps that are utterly free. Like, I think MyFitnessPal is free. The other apps, which are way more comprehensive, RPs and Carbon Diet Coach, are uh, a little bit of money every month, but they're actually guiding you in a diet. You're plugging information in and it's giving you information back. So it is more comprehensive than just like a log, Mm -hmm. you know, like all of them have the ability to say like, I'm eating a banana and it just says like, well, boom. And it takes calories out of one column and puts them in the other of like consumed calories versus available calories. They all kind of do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you can get super specific. You can plug in vegan requirements. You can plug in keto requirements. You can plug all these requirements in um, if you don't feel like doing math because the math sucks. Yeah, you can just – that would make me give up. So yeah. <laughs> I did that for a while and it sucked. And then I found apps and was like, oh, this is so easy. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's my pitch for maintenance. Love it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question. If you have a question you would like me to answer on this show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>